You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And today... We are going to be breaking down the Big Blue View big board for the defense. If you're listening to this now, we already dropped the offensive big board, so please go and listen to that. So let's kick this off right away, Chris. Start with the big boys in the trenches, the interior defensive line. We have two first rounders, because remember, we have a first round, and then we have a first and second round designation, then second, third, and fourth rounds. So we have two first round designations, and they're not exactly two players that you would imagine would be there. Now, one of them obviously is because it's Jalen Carter, obviously the probably the best overall prospect in this draft class, arguably. I mean, the quarterbacks might have something to say about that, but he has the off the field baggage that comes along with him. But the other player that we have listed here is double A battery out of Tamiwa, Addy Barway, out of Northwestern. Now he could be classified as an edge. It depends on really how you want to, um, what position you want to say he plays. We'll just say he's an interior defensive lineman for this, and we have a first round grade on him. And you know what, Chris? I freaking feel good about that. Yeah, I, I do as well. You know, we have heard a ton about Kalijah Kansi, and you know, I, I don't really disagree with Kansi being drafted in the first round because he's got great athletic traits. He has the ability to rush the passer, be disruptive in the backfield. But I feel like if you're talking about Kalijah Kansi, and also we're getting a lot of this talk with Kansi being the next Aaron Donald, then you need to be talking about Adebowale because Adebowale is the same size, actually maybe a fr- an inch and a an inch bigger, inch taller, pound heavier than either of those two players, but he is faster, more agile, more explosive, and longer than either of those two players. Like if Adebowale had worked out as a defensive lineman, as a defensive tackle instead of an edge, like he would have been the talk of the 2023 NFL scouting combine just full stop right there. Even with what Nolan Smith did out what his workout was absolutely absurd. And he is really just scratching the surface of what he's capable of. Yeah. He's very exciting, man. He's only six foot one and a half too, but he has like 34 inch arms similar to like Aziz Ojolari where you have like a, a natural built-in leverage because you're not that tall. 
so you can keep your pad level low, but you have length so you can keep offensive linemen at bay. I think it works out for Aziz Ojolari. I think it's something that could work out for Adebarre as well. So I'm looking forward to where his landing spot is, and hopefully it's with a creative defensive coordinator who can use him in a variety of different ways. For the first and second round, we have Kalijah Kansi and Brian Brezzi. You already talked about Kalijah Kansi out of Pitt, Brian Brezzi out of Clemson. Brian Brezzi, we've spoken about him a lot on the podcast over the last couple months former number one overall recruit in the 2020 recruiting cycle at a Damascus high school in Maryland. Excellent freshman year, dealt with a lot of injuries towards ACL in his sophomore year, had a kidney infection, and his younger sister passed away of cancer. But if you watch his flashes, they're very bright. They really are. Like I, I can buy into this kid's skill set, especially if you get him with like an Andre Patterson, because his size and his athletic traits are exceptional. And when you watch him on tape and he is flashing, if you could just get him to do that consistently, then you're going to find a true difference maker. So, I mean, the Giants already did that with one Clemson Tiger on the defensive line once. I don't know if they will again at 25, but you're a fan of Brian Brezzi. Am I not? Am I correct? Uh, I am. I I think his best football is ahead of him. And I've said this before. I think he could be considered or if he had been able to develop normally, if he hadn't had the ACL and everything else that's gone on with him, if he had had a normal developmental path in college, he could be considered in the same tier of player and prospect as Jalen Carter. His flashes are that impressive. There are instances where he just blows up the offensive play and looks like he's on the verge of taking over the game. He can do it all, really. He can one-gap, he can two-gap, he can disrupt in the backfield, retrace, get in pursuit. He's a high-motor player. There is a ton to like with Brian Brezzi. It's just the tape isn't there. Moving on to the second round, we have Michigan's Mozzie Smith, Wisconsin's Keanu Benton, Tuli Tuopolotu from USC, and then Jervin Dexter from Florida. Look, I watched some Jervin last night, man, and he's similar to Brezzi in the sense that there's some frustrating film there of him not doing all that much, but when <laughs> when he is on, dude, he is freaking on, man. That guy plays with a low center of gravity. He locks out. He controls blockers. He eats up double teams when he is on, but again, he just got to keep that pad level low and he's just got to realize, hey, the football's been snapped. It's time for me to go. Because there were legit several times on tape where I would slow it down and I would see everybody moving and then you would see number nine just still in his like three-point stance. It's like, bro, you got to get better at that. But I could see the Giants being interested in a player like Jervon Dexter. Yeah, I I could see that as well. He could be a very useful player backing up and potentially even eventually replacing Leonard Williams because his athletic traits are real. They're really real. But also, like you said, he needs to learn how to key the snap. He needs to know that if everybody else is moving, he can move too. If the ball has gone backwards, he can go forwards. Yet I am also very interested in Keanu Benton and Mozzie Smith with Mozzie Smith, just because he kind of reminds me a little bit of Snacks Harrison as a guy who is just massive, massively powerful, but does have some pass rush upside, mostly because of how powerful he is, although he can get skinny on occasion. And then Keanu Benton. Yeah, Benton, I think, is maybe a little unfairly stereotyped as a nose tackle. 
because that's what he did for the Wisconsin defense, and the Wisconsin defense is the Wisconsin defense. They have a type. But also, he has produced more, or nobody has produced as many quarterback pressures as Keanu Benton has along the defensive line since J.J. Watt. And if you're going to be compared to J.J. Watt, that is that gets my attention. Moving on to the third round, we have big old Siaki Ika out of Baylor, Jaqueline Roy out of LSU, and Zach Pickens out of South Carolina. Chris, tell us a little bit about Zach Pickens, a former five-star recruit. Yeah, Pickens is he – is, he alternates between intriguing, impressive, and frustrating as a defensive lineman. He is another guy that when he is on, he is capable of blowing up the offense. He can attack gaps, shoot through the gap, disrupt in the backfield. He's got length. He's got athleticism. He's got everything you want in a one gap defensive tackle. And I think he's got enough power that if you asked him to two gap, he could do it. The problem is, is that he is not always on his play and tape is inconsistent. And that can be very frustrating. And I think that's why he never quite lived up to the five-star designation he got as a prospect. Now, I I wonder how much of that is just South Carolina not being great at developing their prospects and getting the most out of players since Steve Spurrier left, and how much of that is just him. You know, that's just kind of the player he is. Yeah, he's also, man, somebody who he had a really good combine at 489 at 291 pounds. And then at his pro day, he showed up at 298, over 34 inch arms, 10 and 3 eighth inch hands. Like, there's a lot to buy into with him. And the, obviously, the, the, the uh, five star pedigree is something that teams really value. It's just, I'm right there with you, man. I, I saw the athletic ability. I, I did not see a, a player who knew how to rush the passer or how to use his athletic traits. And, and frustrating, I think, is the word that I came away with. But if you can hone in on him and you can teach him that there's definitely something there. But moving on to the fourth round, we have Colby Wooden, an interesting player out of Auburn who's just absolutely relentless, was playing alongside Derek Hall. Kobe Turner out of Wake Forest. Moro Ojamo out of Texas. And then Carl Brooks out of Bowling Green. You have anything on any of these four players before we transition to the edge? Yeah, Moro Jomo talked before about uh, Kalijah Kansi and Adewoare. Moro Jomo, I think, is in that same mold of defensive lineman. He is undersized. He does have long arms. He was a wrecking ball during senior bowl practices, and he caught my eye, and I I think there's something there. I don't know if he's an every down player, but as maybe a third down, like a nickel defensive tackle, a guy you rotate on if you take your nose tackle off the field, that kind of player, there's something there. I think he could be a disruptive player, a useful player for a lot of different defenses at the NFL level. And one thing I am interested about, I've looked a couple times, I haven't been able to find out. I wonder if he is related to... Uh, Adwale Ajomo, the former New York Giant, he had a, I believe it was a, I believe he was with the Giants for a year or two, defensive end, about the same time as Adrian Tracy back in, I want to say 2014 or so. I don't believe he is, at least I, I haven't seen that. Wait, yeah, I haven't seen that anywhere, but I mean, I, I could be mistaken, 
but it's good observation there. Another one thing on Kobe Turner before we go to the edge. This is somebody we haven't really talked that much, but he was the highest graded interior defensive lineman that was draft eligible according to Pro Football Focus. And when I watched his tape, man, just excellent ability to penetrate, disrupt rushing lanes. I felt like he was a very aware player when he was doing that. That's kind of his role, that one gap penetrator. I don't believe he's really refined as a pass rusher, albeit he has very active hands. And what we mean by refined is the placement, the timing, it's not precise, but he's going to be flailing his hands at you and making it difficult for him to block. So if you can really hone in on that skill set, on how he leverages and uses his hands, maybe there is a little bit more meat on the bone uh, for for a team to get, especially since he might be there on day three of the NFL draft. But let's transition to the edge. So we have, what, five first round edges and then two first and second. So this is a pretty top heavy edge group. And the edges that we have in the first round, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Lucas Van Ness, Will Anderson, Alabama, Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech, Lucas Van Ness, Iowa, Nolan Smith, Georgia, and Miles Murphy, Clemson. And then the first and second, we have Will McDonald out of Iowa State and Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Chris, let's put you on the hot seat real quick. Removing Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson, if you had to add one of the other five players to the New York Giants at pick 25, say they're all around, who would it be and why? Ooh, that that is actually a really tough question. I'm... I think I would probably narrow it down to either Lucas Van Ness or Nolan Smith. I would say Lucas Van Ness because I actually have him above Tyree Wilson for for myself personally. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, he is who he is. He knows who he is. He is a pure power player. There is absolutely no finesse in his game. His whole game is just beating the crap out of whatever offensive lineman lines up across from him, doing his damnedest to put that guy on roller skates and push him back into the quarterback and possibly sack the quarterback using the offensive lineman if he can. Nolan Smith, I would take him just to make sure he doesn't line up across from Micah Parsons or... Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick. Like I, Nolan Smith winding up on elsewhere in the NFC East is one of my draft nightmares because this dude is just an absolute athletic freak. When you're an edge player running in the four threes, I'm sorry, just that is ridiculous. The the speed, the explosiveness, the agility, the quickness, those are all off the charts, but he is also a powerful player. He can convert that speed to power and get up under offensive linemen's pads and give them problems as a power rusher as well as a speed rusher. And yes, the production isn't there, but that's kind of a common theme with Georgia's front seven players where they just have so much talent. Nobody ever gets to produce at a high level. And he's never played more than 500 snaps in a season. Some of that is due to injury. Some of that is due to Georgia's deep rotation. Some of that is due to the fact that Georgia blows everybody out. They don't need to have their <laughs> starters out there all that often. Because Nolan Smith, he was the one player who was graded higher than Kayvon Thibodeau in the 2019 recruiting cycle. This is a highly sought after player. He blew up the combine both because of his ability to articulate himself 
at the podium and also because of these freakish athletic traits of a 41 and a half inch vert and a 43940 with a 152 10 yard split and people are like yeah he didn't have that many sacks but if you look at his pass rush win rate for whatever you want to weigh that statistic his pass rush win rate was 25 and a half percent Tyree Wilson's was 22.3. Will Anderson was 20.4. BJ Ojolari was 18.9. Lucas Van Ness, 18.8. Miles Murphy, 14.3. So with Nolan Smith, you're talking about a player who was getting immediate pressure, defeating his block a fourth of the time, which means a lot, even though he only had 12 and a half sacks throughout his four years in college. So I think He's he's one that I think that's where I would go. I can understand where you're coming from with Lucas Van Ness, and I think Lucas Van Ness will fit into this defense, even though he's a classical even front end. I don't really think that matters all that much with Wink Martindale, but I, I think if I had to choose one, I would go with with Nolan Smith. Yeah, I, I that's where I would have to go as well. I, I think his also apologies for the low flying airplane. Wow, uh, <clears throat> I would say. I think what Nolan Smith is able to do from an athletic perspective in Wink Martindale's just positionless front seven with Kayvon Thibodeau, with Aziz Ojolari, that could be incredibly fun to watch. And also, he would not be across from Chase Young or Montez Sweat or Micah Parsons or Hassan Reddick or Josh Sweat. Just part of it... it would be denying him to the other teams the Giants face regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the second round, we have Derek Hall out of Auburn, a player I really like, not the bendiest, but holy crap, is he powerful and explosive. BJ Ojolari has a little bit more bend than a player like Derek Hall out of LSU. Uh, I think he's a, a speed rusher, but he's not really all that physical. Uh, I wouldn't say he can flatten like a Will McDonald at the top of the arc, but he has more bend than players like Derek Hall, Felix, and Udike Uzama out of Kansas State, and then Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame. Those are our second round players. And we like a lot of the players in the third round as well, but do you want to speak on any of these guys in the second round? You know, I think Derek Hall and Felix and Udike Uzama are the two that really interest me. Like BJ Ojolari, obviously, he's a, he's a speed, he is so much like his older brother as a rusher. Uh, he's, I don't think he's going to give you a whole lot as a run defender, but just a talented, technically sound, athletic, bendy pass rusher. It, there's always going to be a, a place for that guy, and you can never have enough pass rushers. With Derek Hall and Felix, I think those guys are a little bit more well-rounded, even though Hall is, again, another straight-ahead, explosive power rusher. I think they have a little bit more utility on short yardage situations, which is something the Giants need. Their run defense, yes, they've already invested in their run defense. They've got Fabio Carrique, they got Nacho. They still need to work on their perimeter run defense. That was a huge glaring weakness for them that needs to be addressed. Going to the third round, we have Tennessee's Byron Young. We have Yaya Diaby out of Louisville, Zach Harrison out of Ohio State, and Isaiah McGuire out of Missouri. I know you're a big Byron Young fan, so let's let's give you the floor, Chris. Please tell the audience about Byron Young. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Byron Young and also Yaya Diaby are guys we could see drafted in the second round. They have just incredible physical athletic traits. Uh, 
Byron Young, somehow his workout isn't being talked about, but it was every bit as impressive as Nolan Smith's at 250 pounds. He ran a 4440. Uh, his physical athletic profile compares to Micah Parsons and Hassan Reddick and Khalil Mack, except for the fact that he is bigger, either he's bigger and either faster or more explosive than any of those guys. He has, I believe, a one five, I one five five one five two something like something like that ten yard split, uh, just about a forty inch vertical. This dude is incredibly explosive, but he only has two years of major college experience, and he's twenty five years old. Uh, he wasn't recruited out of high school. He was a manager at Dollar General when he walked on at the JUCO level. Uh, during COVID lockdown, he sent his practice highlights around to the major schools. They went viral, and Tennessee offered him a scholarship. So he's kind of had a a winding road. But also the people who have talked to him say that he is just absolutely hungry to play football. Like, he wants to play in the NFL. He wants to be a success in the NFL. So I, between his traits and his desire, competitive toughness, I think he could be a major sleeper in this class. And the Giants might think that as well. And with Yaya Diaby and Byron Young, I mean, they had them both in for top 30 visits. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're interested, but I haven't heard anything negative about either of these kids' character. Both of them can rush the passer. Both of them can fit into a positionless defense. And I know they're both older prospects, Byron Young at 25, Yaya Diaby at 23, and he'll be 24 uh, in May. But still, bro, like I see a lot of value in these players, especially if you're talking about, you know, at pick 89, even after that. So I, I'm glad that we brought both of them up. I think we can move on to the fourth round. If you wanted to talk about Isaiah Maguire, I'll just mention this is a heavy handed, even front type of end. Again, I don't think that matters too much, but somebody who can really freaking generate a lot of force and power into the point of contact. Very, I, I don't have his hand size, but I'm imagining he has big hands just by the <laughs> way he plays, just basing that off the film. But anyways, we'll transition to the fourth round. KJ Henry out of Clemson, Nick Herbig, who a lot of people are saying could be an off-ball linebacker as well out of Wisconsin, but a guy who plays with his hair on fire is just, I just don't like his frame. He has a very thin frame for an edge. Andre Carter out of Army and then Nick Hampton at Appalachian State. You want to give us any opinions you have on those four players? You know, I think Nick Herbig is, he is a fun player to watch. He is just the, he is almost the quintessential Wisconsin second level defender. Like he could play edge. He has played edge. He could play off-ball linebacker. I think he's athletic enough to do it. He is, I think, an interesting fit. I I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up slipping into like the fifth or sixth round just because a lot of teams aren't going to know what to do with him. But he's a guy, you get him out there, you get him on special teams, and I think he would be tough to keep off the field on defense, even if only as a sub-package player. So McGuire actually has really tiny hands. What is up with these freak size dudes having like the smallest hands in the world? Like Miles Murphy has like sub nine inch hands. Isaiah McGuire has eight and five eighth inch hands. Like what's going on here, Chris? Like why are these guys built just massive frames? 
with these <laughs> tiny ass little hands. I just don't get it. Anyways, we'll transition. A lot of future surgeons. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot of future surgeons. Exactly. Let's transition to off ball linebacker before we get into the corners and do our ads and stuff. We have no one in the first round of the off ball linebacker position. In the first second round, though, we do have Jack Campbell and Drew Sanders. And then in the second round, we have Trenton Simpson out of Clemson and Diane Henley out of Washington State. Look, I could be talked into having Diane Henley above Trenton Simpson because I, I really believe that somebody who was a former wide receiver at Nevada transferred to Washington State before the 2022 season, had a phenomenal year, all the coverage skills you need. Honestly, yeah, there were times where he was out of position, but it's not like a Tay Crowder where the guy was like always out of position, right? Like I actually saw some high processing on his tape. I really buy into what Diane Henley could offer a team like the New York Giants on day two, and we have him as our fourth linebacker on this board. Yeah, he is. He is a really interesting linebacker. Yeah, I think if the Giants do go linebacker in the first round, I wouldn't be upset with Jack Campbell. I think Drew Sanders probably makes more sense for the way the roster is coming together and just the the scheme that Wink Martindale runs. But Diane Henley, he is not a lot of people are talking about him, and that's understandable. Like you said, he's he's had a, a weird path to being an NFL linebacker, but as maybe a nickel linebacker, a will linebacker, just a pure off-ball linebacker, his coverage skills are really, I think, going to be really useful for an NFL defense facing off against a lot of these, we'll say, spread-inspired offenses we see kind of taking the NFL by storm. And then if we go to the third round, we have Henry. So I always struggle with his last name. Is it... 2020? 2020? Yeah, okay. From Alabama and DeMarvian Overshone from Texas, who is just, I know we brought up violence a decent amount on this podcast. He is a violent hitter. Doesn't really know what he's doing as a linebacker right now, but holy crap, is he explosive, fun to watch, and incredibly violent. And then in the fourth round, we have Dorian Williams out of Tulane, Yasir Abdullah out of Louisville, Noah Sewell out of Oregon, and then Marte Mapu out of Sacramento State. You have anything on these third and fourth round prospects that we have here? Yeah, I oh, Demarvian Overshone is really interesting because he was a DB up until I believe what two years ago, something like that. Like he doesn't have a whole yes. lot of experience yeah. at linebacker, so you can understand how he doesn't always know what he's doing. But he is violent. He is athletic. When he I when he diagnoses the play, which can occasionally take a take a beat or two, he just flies to the football. And I I believe he even played edge on occasion in that Texas defense. So if the Giants don't address linebacker highly, which I, that wouldn't surprise me. I think much to the frustration of a lot of Giants fans, you know, it, linebacker just doesn't have the positional value that, say, edge or corner do. So I could see Joe Shane waiting on that. DeMarvian Overshone, if you can get him, you can coach him up, use him as a as a nickel player. I think there is something there. And... I think also, you know, Dorian Williams as another guy who there he's athletic, he's long. 
there's some stuff there to work with. With Overshone, he ran a 1-5-5 10-yard split. I thought it was going to going to be faster, <laughs> to be honest, because he is really <laughs> explosive when he goes from 0 to 100. But one note on linebackers, the fastest 10-yard split is Trenton Simpson, and it's kind of not that close. He ran a 1-4-8 while running a 4-4-3. So let's just keep that in mind because I think that is valuable to a lot of defensive coordinators, but I also think it's valuable for a defensive coordinator who likes to blitz a lot. Like, I don't know, say Wink Martindale. But before we get to the uh, corners and the safety, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. All right, Chris, cornerback. We have several corners with first round grades and then several with first and second round grades. So we'll start. First round grades, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State, and... Our guy, Emmanuel Forbes, gets into the first round out of Mississippi State. Look, I can talk about Emmanuel Forbes all day. I've been pounding the table for him. He's 166 pounds. I get it. He put up, what, four pounds, put on four pounds from the combine to his pro day to get up to 170. It's still concern, concerningly small. But I'm trusting the tape here, man. I'm trusting the coverage skills. I didn't see him getting bitched around all that much in terms of a lack of physicality. I think he wants to be physical. I think he has a chip on his shoulder. I don't think there's a corner in this draft class who has the ball skills that he has. And I'm not just saying that because he had the six pick six. I mean, that does go a long way. It's an FBS record. It's tied for an FBS record. Some of them were a little fluky. I get it. But He's in phase, man. Like he he's he's a player who can run man coverage. He's a player who can execute press man assignments. And I think if he was just 175 pounds and then wasn't a 1-6 next to that number, we would be speaking about him as a surefire first round pick based on the tape that we're seeing. So I'm just a big fan of his skill set. I get the concerns with the weight, but I think I'm willing to overlook that and consider him an outlier that will possibly buck the trend of of um of of failing because a lot of players at that size or at that weight traditionally wouldn't translate to being a starting cornerback. But I think Emmanuel Forbes can. Yeah. And I do think that some of the changes we are seeing in offense and how defense is called that does work to his advantage. You know, I think some of the changes in you know, how referees are calling pass interference where you know, defenders can't, be in contact and can't be physical all the way down the field that actually works to Forbes's advantage because you know he, he's just not going to be tied up he can use his speed he can use his athleticism his agility his quickness those incredibly fluid hips because there is not another corner in this draft class that moves the way he does but you know again the the weight this, that is going to be a concern. I'm not sure I'd want him in press man coverage on AJ Brown, but I would certainly like to see him in press man coverage on Devonta Smith or CD Lamb. Yeah, I don't really want to see anybody in press man coverage against AJ <laughs> Brown, but unfortunately we have to. Let's go to the uh, first, second round guys. We have Cam Smith, who the Giants had in on a top 30 visit. DJ Turner out of Michigan. Cam Smith's out of South Carolina. Gamecock himself. And Julius Brents out of Kansas State. Julius Brents is somebody you and I, we, we've talked about him at nauseum to this point, poor and star length. You know, we've deemed him that with 34 inch arms, six foot, almost three, great size. I would say the vertical speed, yes. He, Quentin Johnston exposed him a little bit. 
uh, in the TCU game, in both TCU games, kind of. But Julius Brent's also won his reps, too. And he's a player, look, he might not be the natural fit for man coverage, but I think he's a natural fit for press. I think he can play man coverage. And I just think a player with that size and his athletic traits where he's running like a just an insane three cone, which is not typically something that taller players do. Like his change of direction is is rare. I think he could be an option for the Giants if they forego corner at 25. And I think even like a dark horse, dark horse pick at 25, it could be Julius Brands. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but I wouldn't be floored shocked if it does. I think there are, there are less likely picks that people are talking about more for the Giants at 25 than Julius Brents. Like you said, when we got to this spot in our, as we were building the big boards, like, are we just overthinking Julius Brents? Like, are have people kind of jumped the shark with their nitpicking his game? Like, yes, he, he doesn't have the most fluid hips despite his agility scores. Yeah, he, he is a guy who he has to turn his body rather than open his hips and flip and gain ground as he transitions from backpedal to driving on the ball or running down the field. And that does slow him down. But once he's able to lengthen his stride, he's able to make that, make that ground up. And he has an explosive lower body. He's got that 40 inch vertical with those long ass arms. So that gives him a huge range of field he can cover. And, you know, there is just something it, it there's just something interesting about him where if the Giants were looking at Sauce Gardner last year as closely as we heard that they were, I could see them paying very close attention to Julius Brents. And Sauce, and I know you agree with this, I'm not saying that you don't. Sauce to me, like watching his tape in college, it was one of the like surefire, like this guy's gonna be fine. <laughs> in the NFL. Like this guy is just different. Like Julius Brents is not that he does have some warts, but I think you're onto something because we were discussing sauce Gardner at pick five in the draft. We're discussing the 25th pick with Julius Brents being a dark horse for that. But when do you see six foot three, 34 inch armed cornerbacks rub running sub six, three cones that just doesn't happen. And having the type of incredible like 98th percentile explosive testing that he had and he has pretty good tape too so like i'm right there with you i think maybe we're overthinking it a little bit and uh, we have him as a first second so hey if he goes in the back end of the first we're kind of right no (laughs) yeah exactly that that's what this designation is for let's go to the second round this is another player i wouldn't be overly shocked if the giants selected him and that's keely ringo out of georgia I I think his tape has a lot of concerns, but he is a 20-year-old two-time national championship where he started the last two years for Georgia, his only two years playing college football because he sat out and redshirted, I believe, his first season with a shoulder injury. This guy has like a 4'3", 6'40". He's 6'2", 210 pounds. All the size you want, all the vertical speed that you want, I still think he's a little stiff. I do, which I don't love for for a man coverage heavy system, but I could see the intrigue, right? Young player, freak speed, great size, excellent in run support. And the other second round player that we have is Clark Phillips, the third, completely different than Keely Ringo, played on the outside, played in the slot, will more than likely play slot. He's out of Utah. I just think his recognition skills and zone are excellent. I think he is fluid enough to stay in phase in man coverage. I think he could be a very, very good 
slot cornerback with very good ball skills at the next level. You have anything on those two? Yeah, yeah. I think Keely Ringo, he is, uh, I don't know, he is going to be in one of these guys where it's like, I, I don't know where he's going to get drafted. I think his size and athleticism could get him drafted highly, but man, he does have those stiff hips. He is, he is a tightly wound athlete. Like that's the feeling I got watching him where he is just a tightly coiled spring. And when he explodes, he is explosive, but I I don't know about the change of direction skills. I think there's a role for him in the NFL. I think you can scheme around him, scheme around his strengths. I don't know at 25. Like I just don't, I, I would get it, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's somebody who at his pro day, he ran a 7-2-1-3 cone and a 4-2-6 short shuttle. So the three cone, it's above seven, which which isn't necessarily ideal. The explosive tests definitely left some to be desired. I mean, 17th percentile vertical jump, 49th broad jump. So it's 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 really just the, the 40 yard dash, which was 92nd percentile at his size. That is um, very alluring about his skill set. But let's move to the third rounders. Tyreek Stevenson, former Georgia Bulldog who transferred to Miami for the last two seasons, tops the third round group for us. Darius Rush out of South Carolina, very long player who used to play wide receiver, had that ball, had definitely had the ball skills down in Mobile, but is a little bit new to the cornerback position. I thought his tape suggested that, but definitely you could project him forward and prognosticate and say, hey, this is a player who could have a really, really high ceiling with his athletic traits and his length. Caillou Blue Kelly out of Stanford, wish he could play a freaking football in the air. It's pretty bad watching him throw his arms up in the air, not locate the football, and then take a pass interference penalty. uh, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, but I do like his length and athletic ability as well, but Travius Hodges Tomlinson, very small player who played outside cornerback for the TCU Horned Frogs, will be a slot at the next level. Definitely has a chip on his shoulder. Very, very grabby. Doesn't really need to be all that often. I can buy into his skill set as basically being a Darnay Holmes type, but maybe a little bit better. <laughs> he just needs to not grab as much. And then Riley freaking Moss from Iowa. Great zone corner. I think he could play man coverage because of his athletic ability as well. Who do you want to talk about in this cluster of our third round corners? You know, I think Tyreek Stevenson and Darius Rush are probably the two that are most interesting as far as the Giants are concerned because the Giants need another outside corner. And I think Stevenson and Rush could be in the conversation if the Giants don't get, say, an Emmanuel Forbes or a Julius Brents in the first round. Because they both have size, they both have length, they're both really good athletes out there. Yeah, Darius Rush, I think he is further away. Um, it, I like you said what you said about his tape. It He didn't really seem to know what he was doing some of the time, except for at the catch point, which is, as we've talked about with Emmanuel Forbes, a skill set the Giants need. They desperately need guys who can take the ball away. And that's something Forbes can do. That's also something Darius Rush can do. Moving on to the fourth round, we have Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland, Corey Trice out of Purdue, Rayshon Wright out of Oregon State, Cameron Mitchell out of Northwestern, and Terrell Smith to round out this list of corners out of Minnesota. Chris, you want to speak a little bit about Jacorian Bennett because we haven't really spoken too much about him, but we speak a lot about Deontay Banks. 
Yeah, and I, I think there's a reason for that. And, well, obviously there's a reason for that. Uh, Deontay Banks is just a better player right now. But Jacorian Bennett, he is another really toolsy, really traitsy player. Like, he's... I don't know if anybody saw his workout coming at the combine. Like, Deontay Banks, you could see on tape, he was, he's a good athlete. And he was a very good cornerback on tape. People were kind of ignoring ignoring Jacorian Bennett. And then he just comes out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, people are kind of paying attention. If you're looking for a developmental cornerback with you know, basically all the tools needed to be a good starting outside corner, I could absolutely see, especially if you take a corner early and you want to double down because you know we don't we don't know what what's going on with the Dory Jackson. We know Wink Martindale loves him some DBs. I could see Jacorian Bennett being a a double down pick, a double up pick, I should say. And then also Corey Trice is a, another big, highly athletic cornerback where you know there's there are tools there to work with. Yeah, Jacorian Bennett, I think he ran the second fastest ten yard split behind DJ Turner, who ran like a four two six and a one four two. Jacorian Bennett ran a four three and a one four five at five eleven hundred eighty eight pounds. And I think that does matter with just under thirty two inch arms. And I'm glad you brought up Corey Trice because if you want a Joey Porter Jr., you can probably get a Corey Trice maybe on day three. And he's not Joey Porter Jr., but he is a very long cornerback, six foot three, two hundred six pounds, who I feel like just can play that press man role really well, and that's what Joey Porter projects to do as well. Anything else in these corners before we transition to the safety group that is not nearly as desirable as the corner group? Uh, yeah, is Brian Branch a corner? <laughs> okay, yeah, and I like how you blended this together. I think. You can plug him into the early Julian Love role. Remember when Julian Love was like, yeah, he he played corner at Notre Dame, outside corner. But then he came into the NFL. It's like, all right, what do we do with this guy? It's like, oh, let's put him in the slot. Oh, he's pretty successful. Let's put him in the post. Let's put him in the deep half. Let's put him as a robber. And they just started using him all over the place. I think that's what Brian Branch will do. I think Brian Branch could be the glue to any defense because he is, and he's the only first round safety we have since we're transitioning here. He can play nickel. He's fine in man coverage. He's so smart in zone. He does great when he is tasked to midpoint, you know, the number two or the number three or the number one or the number two. His ability to discern what the quarterback is going to do and anticipate what the route concepts are, and then his how he reacts to that, it's very prompt. It's very smooth. I love his feet. I love how aggressive he is. I love his physicality. I love how he plays through the catch point. And I love the fact that he was one of the most efficient tacklers in college football over the last two years. If Brian Branch is available at 25, I am fully on board for the Giants to draft this player because I believe he will significantly help what Wink Martindale wants to do. You need safeties who can handle a lot of responsibilities if you want to diversify your coverages. And if you want to do this crazy stuff that Martindale did, they just let Julian Love walk, which, okay, that's fine. I like Julian Love. I think $6 million for Julian Love is perfectly fine, but they... They weren't in a position to pay him that. So they bring in Bobby McCain, who can fill that role adequately. But I think Brian Branch, he can play that role. He can also take over for Darnay Holmes, and he can also line up in the box when you want to go light. So I really just trust Brian Branch's skill set, and I appreciate him. Yeah, that that's pretty much exactly the way I feel about him. Like I, He gets classified as a cornerback a lot because Alabama had him covering the slot 
a lot. Personally, I think he is a safety who can be a slot defender. I don't know if he is a cornerback. I don't know if he's got quite the uh, quite the athleticism that you see with a good cornerback, like a first-round cornerback. But I think he can do it, and comparing him to Julian Love is really kind of perfect. I don't know if he'll be better than Julian Love, but I do. I think there's basically no chance that he's worse than Julian Love. And I think he's going to be a very good player in the NFL and a very, very diverse player. You know, maybe do a lot of the same things for a defense that a Tyron Matthew was able to do. And he really could be the glue kind of holding the front end and back end of a defense together. And then we have one first second round player, and this is higher than I feel like a lot of other, at least people who cover the draft had this player. I don't necessarily know why. And that is Jartavis Quan Martin. I absolutely love this kid's skill set. He's from Illinois. He's designated a safety. He could play the slot similar to Brian Branch. He kind of just did everything for Illinois defense on the back end, a very exciting defense to watch in 2022, five foot 11, 194 pounds. But the guy ran a 4.46 with a 1.44 10-yard split, 44 inches on the vert, 11.1 broad. Like insane testing numbers. You're talking about like 99th percentile on a lot of these metrics. And he's one of the better tackling safeties to come into the draft in terms of his missed tackle rate. He has some blown coverages at times, but it's because he gets a little bit over-aggressive. It's not a, a lack of, I feel like, processing or a lack of, let's say, athletic ability. I think he can really handle any responsibility you ask him to, and he takes a lot of pride in how he plays defense. I think this is a player that fits what Wink Martindale wants very well. And if they don't get Brian Branch, you can circle back and get Quan Jartavis Quan Martin in the second or third round. And I think he would just be a plug-and-play, exciting player that Giant fans would really love. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also like the other Illinois safety in Sydney Brown. Now he isn't as efficient a tackler as Martin was. He had some missed tackles. I, I think he could take some better angles to the ball and maybe use a little bit better technique. Uh you know, wrap up, break down, wrap up, not try to just blow guys up, although he's capable of doing that. But I both actually all of these Illinois DBs, like they are impressive athletes out here. Like we, we didn't talk about uh, Devon Witherspoon because there's basically no chance the Giants are going to be drafting him. But Quan Martin, Sidney Brown, I think both of those guys could be in play maybe on the second day of the draft for the Giants if they don't get a Brian Branch at 25th overall. And Sidney Brown is the top of the third round that we have here. And then we have Antonio Jock Johnson out of Texas A&M and Jordan Battle out of Alabama. And then in the fourth round, we have Jamie Robinson out of Florida State, Jair Brown out of Penn State, J.L. Skinner out of Boise State, Christopher Smith out of Georgia, Daniel Scott out of Cal, and then Ronnie Hickman out of Ohio State. So before we get out of here, Chris, do you want to opine on any of the players that we just went over? Yeah, I think the two to really pay attention to are Jair Brown and Daniel Scott. Yeah, Jair Brown, he is—he strikes me as a wink player. Like he is—he—he's got limitations, but 
I'm not sure there's a DB in this class who was blitzed more than Jair Brown. So he he would be instantly comfortable in Wink Martindale's defense as that Buffalo nickel in a dime situation off the bench in eh, actually it doesn't need to be third and forever for Wink Martindale to want to blitz blitz. It could be first and 10, second and seven, third and eight, second and three, whatever. He, he's going to be blitzing. We know this. And the Giants have shown interest in Jair Brown. So I think we should at least keep an eye on him. And then Daniel Scott, he is an impressive athlete out there and I think he's another safety who could do pretty much anything you asked of him I think he's got the range to be a deep center fielder play that free safety in a cover one I think he's got the ability to play in the box for a cover three if you want to have a rotation maybe disguise your cover one once in a while uh, be a box safety be a star anything like that I think he's got the ability to do it he needs some development, but he's a guy I, I haven't heard a whole lot about, but he's impressed me when I've watched him. Sounds excellent. Chris, anything else on these defensive prospects before we get out of here and prepare for the 2023 NFL Draft? Man, right around the corner. Yeah, no, I, I'm just interested to see which of these guys are going to be Giants because you know, the, the Giants do still have work to do on their defense. They've got work to do on their roster as a whole, and... I've mentioned this before, silver lining to that is pretty much any direction they go in the first few rounds, they're going to be getting upgrades. They're going to be making themselves better. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, done so already blah, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Leave a comment too. That would be excellent. And also head on over to BigBlueView.com where we We'll be covering the draft extensively. Thank you, everyone, and have a lovely day.